Unlocking What Was Cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. It's time to debate the winners and losers of the format wars, which of course we're talking about fonts. So the bold, the underlined, the italics, heck, even the strike throughs. <laughs> Those strike throughs don't get enough. Lo- Sorry, Victor, what was that? Oh, interesting. Victor, uh, Victor just informed me that we are not talking about fonts. We're talking about like physical media formats. And he also said that we're live. Oh, well, oh, thank you, Victor, and thank you, Mike, so much for joining me today. Great to have you back here in the studio live. We've got a great episode today, but before we do, of course, we have to start with our opening topics. One thing that I wanted to learn about you, Mike, this week, we've probably talked about this before, but I forget half the things that we talk about on this show, and uh, enough time passes, things change, that I want to get an update from you. What is your weekday morning routine? I feel like, you know, when we were kids, it was, you know, breakfast and cartoons, and we would hang out together a lot in the mornings as kids, mm-hmm. all the way up until high school. We walked to school together. We'd talk about Family Guy and, and, and music and music videos and drama at school, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, obviously things have changed quite a bit in our adult years. So I guess maybe walk me through your your regular morning from about whenever you wake up until, I guess, breakfast or halfway through the week, the, the, the workday morning. Mm, okay, this is fun. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it hasn't changed like that much <laughs> since high school, which is kind nice. of funny to think about, uh, other than the fact that I have to get up and walk to school every day. Uh, now mm. that I work from home, I don't have to get up and walk anywhere in the morning. Uh, but my cat, uh, she wakes me up instead at uh, mm. usually at like 730, like clockwork. Uh, Eight o'clock is her fruit time. So okay. she wants to kind of get get revving, get people going. To yep. make sure that that she gets the food at eight uh, when it's scheduled, <laughs> when it's on the menu, uh, so she gets me up, go feed her, and um, and then I I usually just start work immediately. Like I just like sit down on my computer and see emails, you know, the the light the light stuff of, of my work, um, and I'll I'll get some beverage, usually an orange juice, and then mm. maybe like an hour or two in, then I start eating like cereal or whatever my breakfast is. Which I really love now because what I used to do when I had to get up and go to work or school, uh, I used to have to shovel like all my stuff in, you know, oatmeal or or cereal or oranges or whatever I was eating. I'd Mm. shovel it all in the morning, even though I wasn't like super hungry and be like, oh God, I don't feel good now. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, so that I wasn't super hungry during the day. So this is much nicer eating like at like 10 a.m. almost and then then having lunch at like one. But, um, and you know, sometimes I'll have a shower, sometimes also work out in the morning too. Uh, it just depends on the day for me because I have a pretty flexible work schedule. Uh, I could even be right. editing in the morning. Uh, I often like to edit in the morning. Uh, it's uh, edit the uh, this podcast, of course. But mm-hmm. I, I do work with a team from Poland. So they're up uh, at like basically my 3 a.m. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I will wake up usually with messages asking me to do stuff. Nice. I feel you see you hit on something very important, and that is that cereal is not a very good portable food. Nope. Uh, as much as like we, we call them cereal bars, like you know Nutrigrain and, and Quaker bars and Nature Valley bars, but really they're just granola that's been packed down with honey and pressure to make diamonds or something, and they end up exploding <laughs> when you try and eat them on the train. But like I, I guess I've, I have seen people say like you know they eat cereal out of like mugs, which I love that. Like eating, mm. uh, it doesn't work on a on a Toronto subway, of course, but. 
I feel like that we need to get on making cereal a bit more of a portable food because uh, I, I do know that I do have sympathy for you for cramming down breakfast way too early in the morning. It screws up your entire day. It does. If you eat, if you eat breakfast at like 6 a.m. because then lunch is like 10 a.m. at that yep. point. And yeah, who, who can live like that? But yeah. I have a, a bit of a different uh, morning routine a little bit. Not not so much uh, with the food. Of course, I like to eat breakfast too. More so with waking up uh, via cat. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't own a cat, obviously. So I get up usually on a weekday morning every day, 6 a.m., uh, nice bright and early, uh, 6 a.m. for me. Uh, I, I like you. I do like to edit this podcast in the morning or I'm doing research for the podcast mm-hmm. or just reading in general. I try and do something educational before I start the day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, usually I do that for the first uh, 45 minutes to an hour or so. There's usually a shower thrown in there at some point. Mm-hmm. like to shower right away. And then uh, around seven o'clock, I don't work from home. So I do drive out uh, to my job. But on the way to work, I, I like to lift weights. So I go to the gym before work every day now. <laughs> Sorry, just imagine you on the way, uh, literally on the way to work. <laughs> oh yeah, just you know, on the 401, just, you know, doing some uh, doing some shoulder presses. I have a I have a convertible now, so I can push weights out of the top. <laughs> Damn, that'd be sick in traffic. No. Like that's a good, oh, yeah. good use of time. <laughs> you gotta capitalize on that. Tra- oh, we have terrible traffic here in Toronto, but uh, no, I I do go to a an actual gym lift some weights there. I've been lifting weights for like 10 years. So hard to stop that habit. I'm glad to be doing it before work again, which is nice. So that goes from like 7.30 to 8.30. And uh, after, you know, I have about a half an hour after the gym to uh, get changed, eat some breakfast. Usually it's oatmeal or something. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to pack some oatmeal with my protein powder, of course. I'm a complete gym bro. So I got my protein powder and my banana and my oatmeal and everything like that. And uh, yeah, then 9am comes around and I start work. And that's basically the end of my morning routine. The only thing I guess that could extend it would be that I have a massive Yeti mug. It holds like a liter of tea. So I'll make that at like seven o'clock in the morning. And that that holds me until about 11, I guess. Uh, So I've got hot tea all morning, which is nice. I need to have tea throughout the day. I pretty much drink tea all day. Um, (laughs) That's like my vice. (laughs) I like having some some tea in the morning too. Not every day. It's a it's a depending kind of thing on on, mm. on on how cold it is outside too, how I'm feeling today. My throat's a little itchy, you know, I want to have some some tea to, to soothe it. But yeah, mm. my, my, my morning's like my, my before 11 a.m. Neil, which I know is definitely a black box to you, uh, is <laughs> uh, is really just kind of uh, going online and, and answering stupid questions is usually what I uh, end up having sure. to do. Um, mm-hmm. Like most people in most jobs, uh, unfortunately, uh, and and you know having a nice breakfast, and that's uh, that's really what you need to know. That's the TLDR of my morning routine. Nice, I like it. Nothing too exotic. I, I like that. You're not like a, one of these bullet journalers or something like that. You don't do an hour of meditating, not yet, anyway. Maybe someday. I I, I would. I feel like that would actually help me. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would enjoy. I, I should do that while I'm answering stupid questions, or maybe like right before, uh, or maybe right after. I might need the meditation right after. Journaling is actually kind of fun. I do. I do do that. I'll just write something down. I do have one. I don't do bullet journaling. I just kind of write down what I did that week, yeah. so that like two or three years later, I can look back and and like see. Honestly, it's usually to do with our podcast, um, just like to look at that or, or whatever I was doing, concert mm-hmm. I'd been to, family I'd seen. But anyway, that's cool. I, I like to talk about morning routines. I'm very interested in what people do if they're just a get out of bed and start work right away person or if they're like a workout person like me or someone like you who just wants to eat cereal and uh, start sifting through emails. But yeah, do, anyway. do you have to get like out of bed? Like, do you do you spend time in bed before you leave it? Like for me, I can only mm. spend maybe 10, 15 minutes in bed awake. Oh yeah, after I, I have I'm, to like actually leave the bed. 
I hear what you're saying. I am out of bed as soon as the alarm goes off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've been waking up to the same acoustic guitar sound on my iPod Touch since grade 11. So oh, that we know sound, which one it is. Yeah. Oh, that if I hear that sound in public, I feel like I'm waking up from a bad dream. Like it's, it's just in my brain, man. It's been like, what, 12, 14 years of that? So, yeah, no, as soon as that goes off, I, I click off the alarm and I'm out of bed within about 10 seconds. Uh, on the weekends, it's a little bit different. I might lie in bed for five or 10 minutes, but I'm usually starving and or have to really go to the bathroom. So with those two things in combination, I just have to get out of bed right away. So fair, fair. I, w- I wish I could lie in bed. It, it looks great, but I just I, I can't get on it. I don't know what it is. Looks like a great time. <laughs> looks like something I could get into someday. But anyway, Mike, I have a new uh, segment that I wanted to try out on uh, on our new podcast, and that is the last episode of every month i wanted to try and do like a uh in review or a a look back on uh, the month that we just finished 20 years ago so basically we're just finishing march of 2023 so i wanted to kind of hit a couple of big things that happened in march of 2003 and we'll try and do this every month so in about a month from now we'll do uh what april was like in 2003 and so on and then next year we'll be moving on to 2004 does that sound like a segment you'd be into Yes, I would love that. And uh, maybe Sweet. we can even get uh, Victor to make a jingle here for saying 2003 was cool. Nice. We're really putting Victor to work today. He's uh, he's really <laughs> earning that paycheck. Anyways, March 2003, we had a couple of nice movies come to the theaters. We had The Core, Kangaroo Jack, Cat in the Hat starring Mike Myers, X-Men oh, 2, and Agent Cody Banks. How do you feel about that lineup of movies, Mike? Some of them are good. I, I, I saw Kangaroo <laughs> Jack in theaters when Same. it came out. I saw yep. it March 2003. I don't think I saw it with you. Um, or maybe I did. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I honestly I don't, don't remember. When you're a kid, you really don't pay attention to who you saw things with that much. You're just going to see some funny things on the screen. I've never seen Kangaroo Jack since. Uh, all I associate it with is obviously the kangaroo. Uh, yep. Cheryl Crow's Want to Soak Up the Sun plays in that movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and um, that's about it. Uh, I, I uh, And I'm sure it would probably be terrible if I watched it today. So I'm just going to like leave it in my rearview mirror. But speaking of terrible, Cat in the Hat is like, I also saw that in theaters, I think. Or maybe when it just <sighs> came out, like to DVD, VHS, whatever, right after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that freaked me out. That's a scary movie for a kid. <laughs> it's a good one. It's, uh, it's got Dakota Fanning in there. Alec Baldwin is in it. It's got a pretty decent cast. I was I had very high hopes for uh, for Cat in the Hat just because the live action Grinch movie is one of my favorite movies of all time with mm-hmm. Jim Carrey. So the live action Dr. Seuss films were off to a really good start in the late 90s, early 2000s, and it did not carry on much with, with Cat in the Hat, unfortunately. That one kind of, I think, killed the Dr. Seuss train, and then they switched everything over to um, to animated stuff with the Lorax, Horton Hears a Who. They Makes rebooted sense. the Grinch. Yeah, probably does make sense. That is a, a, objectively a pretty bad movie. I enjoyed it. I didn't I didn't see it in theaters like you did. I saw it on DVD. I think we still have it. My sister was obsessed with that movie, so we had it on all the time. It's just uh, really she, weird. Like, it's a very strange really movie. Weird. Yeah. It's too bad because, like, the makeup for it was all right. Like, Mike Myers, a very good actor at the yeah. time, hot off of Austin Powers and Shrek. Um, and Shrek and Wayne's World and everything. He was – that was really just uh, the beginning of the end for him, unfortunately. But The Core, I remember seeing that one in grade nine uh, years later in, like, 2008, 2007 uh, as part of our geography class for some oh, strange yeah, reason. Yeah. We did too. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really <laughs> weird movie. It was a cool concept. I, I love those, like, catast- catastrophe movies like Armageddon, Day After Tomorrow, a classic. I miss that genre. I feel like uh, 2012 killed it, unfortunately. That was kind of the last one. But th- those uh, apocalyptic, or uh, I guess, those ap- apocalyptic movies are, are really cool. 
Moving on to games that came out in uh, March of 2003, we had a pretty good, uh, mostly Nintendo here, but we had a pretty good outing here with uh, Wind Waker, Soul Calibur 2, and WarioWare on Game Boy Advance. Those were the three big games that I could find. Wind Waker, of course, being an absolute classic. Yeah, March 2003, of course. Mm-hmm. Look at our, or listen to our episode way back uh, in 2021, I guess, when we did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about Wind Waker, we did two episodes of it because it's such a great game. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, uh, I, I do remember when that came out. It, 2003 is very much a year that I remember a lot of things. And, you know, looking at albums too, Linkin Park's Meteora, which we'll be covering very soon. Yep. Stay tuned for that. Uh, or if you're listening in the far future. Let us know how it was. <laughs> uh, Evanescence, uh, of course. That, Evanescence was like really big for one year, and this yep. was it. <laughs> this was the year. Yep. Not long, right around when Daredevil came out too, because they had that song. Yes. Um, what's it, is it? Wake me up. Is that the name of the song? Is Wake Me Up in Daredevil, or is yeah, there that, other that's the, like? That's the title track. Yeah. That's okay. The title yeah, track. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we had AFI sing the sorrow. A lot of really angry, sad songs. This was right, you know, post nine eleven. <laughs> this was on like emo rock hard rock was really big like from like 2002 to maybe 2006 like basically from now until uh like the black parade i think of this being like the heyday yeah when these when these songs were like on the radio like imagine turning on the, the radio today and like an evanescent song is on is like every morning just hearing songs about dying every morning now it's really hip hip-hop songs but we also had ringo rama ringo Starr's album came out do you remember that album mike you're a pretty big ringo star fan I don't know if I'd say I'm a Ringo Starr. Well, you're the Beatles, I guess. <laughs> Not sure you're if I'm a big, big fan of Ringo Starr. <laughs> Not sure if I'm uh, remembering much of his, of his stuff, but I, I do remember, of course, the U.S. going to war in Iraq. That was a big, big thing. And then uh, mm. American Idiot coming out the next year that really was all about that in yeah. a lot of senses. Uh, and yeah, it was like, because we, you know, obviously remember 9-11 uh, and remember, you know, things that were happening right after that. So it's inter- interesting looking back like 20 years later on like mm-hmm. the Iraq war, basically being like, yeah, I guess it was like basically the Vietnam of the time where yeah. like just went into this tangled mess, nothing ever happened and mm. still a mess. So yeah, it was so strange. I-, I wanted to try and like make this segment about movies, games, albums, and then just world events. So mostly when you look back on world events from a long time ago, most of them are highlighting uh, the bad things, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> so it was, it was very depressing to go back and read all about the uh, the Iraq war, like you said. But also on March 12th, 2003, the World Health Organization issued a rare global alert about a mysterious severe respiratory disease, which would two weeks later be uh, would be the SARS outbreak, which mm-hmm. brought me back. I haven't thought about SARS in, in literally 20 years. Well, I mean, I thought so about that it when fun. COVID happened first happened <laughs> i guess that's true yeah that oh man covid was so much worse than yeah. sars but it was funny how like how big we thought sars was and then compared to covid just a few years ago how much bigger that was so can't wait for a 2043 to see what happens next we'll have to stay tuned and then on march 23rd almost basically 20 years to the day of this episode uh nintendo stopped the production of the original game boy and the game boy color worldwide damn so that was the uh the end of one of my favorite handheld consoles of all time uh hundreds of hours on that thing playing mostly pokemon mm-hmm. I think most people our age can uh, attest to that. But yeah, that was a cool little look back on March 2003. I look forward to looking back on April 2003 in about a month's time with you. Yeah, yeah. A good segment. Uh, I I enjoy the 2003 Was Cool podcast. (laughs) Maybe someday we'll uh, we'll, we'll only cover 2003 content. But Mike, we have our first ever Patreon elected topic episode of the month, which is really cool. We went, uh, we, we had our election on Patreon. The topics to vote for were The Matrix, Early Internet Experiences, Format Wars, Old School, the movie, and NHL Slapshot on Wii. And we have to announce the winner of our election, of course. But uh, so I guess it's time that we uh, start today's episode. What do you think? Let's do it, Neil. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode five of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show about all things retro that we loved from our childhood. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one podcast on the internet, hosted by people named Mike and Neil. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit a topic for our monthly Patreon elected episode. All patrons also get the show ad free. Last week, we talked about Roller Coaster Tycoon with friends of the pod Josh from Still Loading Pod and Luigi from Chat of the Wild and Need for Speed Running. This week is our first ever Patreon-elected topic, and the topic is from Jude on Patreon, which is Format Wars, the peak way to consume media. Uh, We're going to be discussing the various formats through the ages for games, music, and movies, and come to a consensus as to which one was superior format for each. Uh, We won't be counting digital or streaming for today. Uh, This is going to be a physical media debate only, so we're going to be talking about video game cartridges and discs and VHS tapes and DVDs and Blu-rays, and then with uh, music, we have albums and H track and cds which is really cool mike and i both love physical media we're big collectors of all things music movies and games obviously so mike what comes to mind for you when you hear the words physical media and format with these things Ooh, well, other than text and fonts, uh, as we, <laughs> we started the, the show off with. Uh, but before that, I, I would like to just give a shout out to everyone who uh, submitted a topic uh, for this week's episode and uh, and who voted on it. We really appreciate everyone over there at Patreon uh, who did that. And also, shout out to Jude, uh, who wrote that lovely topic. I want to read verbatim what he actually wrote in his comment for that that was the, the beginning, the nexus of, of, mm. uh, of this episode. Cool. Uh, he said, hope you enjoyed your break and i'm glad you're back again i think an interesting topic could be format wars not just cartridge versus cd but also dvd versus vhs or blu-ray cd versus cassette and so on there are lots of obscure types of mediums that fall in between generations such as hd dvds laser discs gd roms eight tracks and of course the gamecube mini disc hope this makes the poll and can convince others so there we go, and uh, and he did say it was niche. It's a it, and it is a, a niche topic, but we love niche topics here, especially we we did an entire podcast about the GameCube. All right, that's about <laughs> as niche niche as you can go. Uh, and and for physical media, what really comes to mind is, uh, I mean, I guess just games and movies for the most part. Like for me, I, I do like to try and collect a little bit in terms of um of physical media and I like to support physical media more than digital especially when it's things that I really care about right. and I know that's it's it's a bit of a you know obviously a dying medium in some senses but it's interesting how uh it's very much in the collector's world and of course everyone we follow on Instagram and people who follow us like it, there's a definitely that collector's mode out there uh, for the the demographic that we're kind of uh, going towards, so this episode does make sense for that, of course. But yeah, uh, for me, it, it's physical media, just my preferred way. I love having my vinyls as well. You know, my uh, no cassettes, uh, but I still have my CDs. I feel like I feel like in twenty years' time, CDs will be a really big thing. That like, if I have kids, they would they're gonna be like, oh my god, I got my dad's CDs. You know, so uh, there, there's something I never liked. I, I don't love throwing them out unless they're like really crappy jewel case ones um, that are like all smashed, which most of my jewel case CDs are. But <laughs> yeah. what about you, Neil? What comes to mind for physical media? 
Yeah, when I think physical media and formats in general, I instantly think of browsing, like physically going into mm-hmm. stores, into record stores, into HMVs, and uh, we have Sunrise Records around here. I love, even today, like going into those stores. It's really fun. I know that they, they definitely went away quite a bit in the late 2010s, but I feel like there's a huge resurgence thanks to the massive popularity uh, comeback of vinyl records. A lot of these stores have found second life. So when I think of formats and, and physical media, I really think of going into these stores, walking through every aisle sifting through the records and the CDs looking to see as a kid constantly checking the the pop punk and the and the skate punk albums to see what Green Day and Bad Religion and NoFX albums I could find or CDs I could find because I didn't buy vinyl back in the day. I bought CDs because that was our our generation. But also I talked a little bit about this last week when we were talking about introducing this episode is that Mike, you and I, we both grew up in the time when all of these formats were available basically at the same time. It felt like yeah. we were in just the, the center of that Venn diagram, which Jude mentioned this being a very niche topic. I don't think this is niche at all. Like everybody that we knew, every adult, every every kid, every teenager, had a collection of movies and CDs and video games and like shelves of these things. So mm-hmm. it, it's very niche, I think, to nerd out about it as much as you and I do. Sure. <laughs> um, but these things are all such a huge part of people's lives, less so now with, uh, like I said, the streaming and, and downloads. It's, it's killed it a little bit. But I think that there is a collector mentality for most people to want to feel like that they own what they buy. And you don't yeah. get that with 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 Netflix and with uh, with Spotify. So I think everybody has an innate reflex, or it's in their nature to want to own what they buy and want to collect and want to show people, like show your kids your vinyl records and your CDs, and show them the movies that you grew up with, as opposed to just browsing Netflix. So that that's really what comes to mind uh, when I think physical media. And yeah. with t- with today's episode, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to look back at each. Uh, category um, uh, from movies, uh, music, and uh, and video games. So with that, I think maybe we can probably start off with the uh, the topic that you and I are both most comfortable talking about on the show, and that's that's video games and the uh, the classic, uh, I guess, war here that we're going to be talking about today is cartridges versus discs. And cartridges uh, were really founded in 1976. It goes back quite a long way. Uh, to the Fairchild Channel F. That's the first video game console to ever feature games on interchangeable cartridges, which was a hmm. big deal at the time because for the most part, when PCs were made, the games were on the machine. You, you had to buy a different machine for an arcade cabinet yep. or a PC if you wanted to play different games. So the ability to change cartridges uh, from one to another was a huge deal. Uh, do you have a memory, Mike, of the first cartridge system or game that you ever bought or received as a gift? Ooh, well, I mean... I technically never, because for me, I never owned an N64 or SNES or NES. So uh, my first memory of them is definitely an SNES uh, and playing on that. I I remember, you know, blowing the cartridge and everything to get it to work. And, you know, that's (laughs) something magical about about cartridges, right? In that sense, like for for CDs and DVDs and, and discs, like... You really just have to like wipe them on your shirt <laughs> to <laughs> to get the dust off. Mm-hmm. But uh, but with cartridges, you know, it's it's the blow, which apparently blowing on it is actually bad for them uh, because yeah. like the moisture in your breath, I guess, uh, can can rust the little chips inside it. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, my first memory with them at all is yeah the SNES and and of course N sixty four after that, and always thinking they were really weird and like why you know. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, well, I guess, okay, I guess the Game Boys, uh, you know, obviously True. those are cartridges. But for me, what what comes to my mind for cartridges are the big ones. 
like not 3DS or Game Boy or any handheld ones or like SD cards, but you know, big cartridges like like a home consoles. Yeah, NES, like a home NES, console. N64, Genesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And and yeah, for me it was always strange because we grew up with obviously VHS, but we also knew CDs very well, new DVDs, CD changers, of course, having all these CDs in them at one time. That was something I never really understood. Like, why is this cartridge, uh, why isn't it just a, a disc of some sort? Everything seemed to be, it seems to be moving to discs. Mm-hmm. And of course, it ended up being that way. But uh, yeah. No, that's cool. I, I, I love cartridge-based consoles. I think that uh, we're going to talk about the pros and the cons and which one we think is better, I suppose, at the end of this. But the first console that I remember having uh, as a kid that took cartridges I owned was the Game Boy Color. So Pokemon Yellow was the first one that I ever received as a gift. And then my brother got the N64, which we got with GoldenEye and Perfect Dark. So that, that was my first memory of owning a, a cartridge-based system. And then in high school and college years later, uh, that was when I really started to buy up my own cartridge games so going to thrift stores and uh, flea markets and actual video game stores that were reselling these things and the main pros I think that I have with uh, with cartridge based games is that they don't get scratched um, which is a big deal with with disc based games like when I find a cartridge for some reason like if I find an old cartridge game nowadays like an N64 game or a Game Boy game I can kind of assume that it's going to work uh, maybe the battery might be dead which you can change but for the most part as long as uh, the the chips inside aren't rusted or, or destroyed you it's probably going to work whereas with a disc the discs can get corrupted so easily they get scratched mm-hmm. even if they're not scratched sometimes the discs just can't be read anymore by your console so uh, I do like that about about cartridges. But you are right. Like if you blow into them, the the moisture in your in your breath does rust them. So, but no one knew that back in the day. We just we were blowing in them nonstop <laughs> to get them to work. For some reason, that worked. I don't know what it was, but you're supposed to use a Q-tip. <laughs> mm, a Q-tip. Yeah, yeah it, it's funny because so for all these formats and all these format wars, um, the winner is always the one that is the most inexpensive to produce. That's basically sure. how this goes every single time. Uh, the the better medium doesn't necessarily always win. Almost actually never wins. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's funny to think like uh, Genesis, uh, N64, SNES, like you were saying. So Nintendo, Sega, and then PlayStation and Sony comes along with mm-hmm. discs. And Sony seems to be really the the big... Uh, the big dog on the on the on the playground for sure when it comes to uh, format wars, they seem to be in in the mix of all of them. Like Sony uh, is always trying to fight to create their own proprietary stuff. Of course, Blu-ray later on we'll talk about that. Um, so yeah, it's funny how the PS One kind of comes in. It's like, look, discs, check <laughs> this out. Like, what do you think? And and it was a pretty quick transition after that, right? Like everyone went to some sort of discs other mm-hmm. than. GameCube going for the mini discs, of course, uh, but that was really only because of uh, piracy is why yep. um, GameCube or why Nintendo decided to do that, and also because Nintendo likes to be different, you know, well, even yeah, that, with I've... their rounded edges on their <laughs> discs. Exactly. No, I mean Nintendo always is trying to stop uh, piracy from happening, and that's what Sony has had issues with. Like with the PlayStation mm-hmm. One that you're referring to, they were printing their discs on CD-ROMs which were very cheap to manufacture. Nintendo's N64 cartridges were way more expensive for publishers yeah. to to print on as opposed to the uh, CDs, which are pennies to, to print on. Nintendo yeah. also limited the amount of cartridges that publishers could buy off of them too. So that was not the case with CDs. CDs and Blu-rays later on could be published 
way faster and in way higher quantities, which does make them does give them the leg up over over cartridges. It's hard to say because, like you said, I think there's so many factors that we can base formats on. Uh, but I guess if you're talking about accessibility and affordability and just the ability to trade and transport these things, yeah, discs are better not to say cartridges don't have their their pros over over discs like for example cartridges you could save the data directly on the disc you can't do that with with discs unfortunately it always had to be saved to a memory card which we've talked a ton about on the gamecube was cool podcast uh cartridges you could take with you everywhere and uh save save your game and take the game to Mm -hmm. a friend's house and and it would work but uh for me i would probably have to agree that that discs are probably the superior format for video games as much as i have much more of an attachment to memories with cartridge based games i think if i had to pick uh the winner here would would be discs discs certainly aren't the fun option you know no. there's there's no, no. not nothing unique about them but like most of this kind of stuff like it just makes sense right from a fiscal view from um, a transportable view like you said but also just because everyone knows how a disc should work everyone knows it's like <laughs> i know how to put this in somewhere i know how to take it out properly right uh, cartridges are are always a finicky thing like like you were saying earlier too right so yeah mm-hmm. discs cartridges uh, but hey, we did get cartridges back a little bit with the Switch, so that was kind of an interesting move when Nintendo decided to make their their own brand of really just SD card size cartridges for the Switch. I thought that was really interesting, but makes sense for portability. So uh, mm-hmm. I think now we are actually moving, well, not now, we have already moved away from the idea of discs a lot, and I think whatever next console we may get from um, PlayStation or Xbox, we might not even see discs anymore. We might see a whole different brand of things. So uh, for portability, right? And and obviously just the online digital world. So who knows what the future holds, Neil? Yeah, who knows? I, I'm, I mean, Nintendo never went away from cartridges, like with the DS, the 3DS, and now no. the Switch. They're, they've always been these. They're not the cartridges that we think of with NES and SNES and N64, uh, but they are technically, they're not discs, that's for sure. But yep. <laughs> I don't claim to know how the Blu-ray discs work on PS5 and Xbox and PS4 and everything, but I think... Well, from what I've heard, the discs don't. The console doesn't even read the discs when you're playing it. It basically downloads the game onto your console, and then that's it. It's kind of like a ticket to download the game. So mm-hmm. yeah, I can totally see a future where we're no longer putting discs into consoles. But can't wait to see what Nintendo makes with their next. Uh, I hope they go back to like straight up cartridges. That would be so freaking funny. <laughs> <laughs> cartridges with a mini disc inside. <laughs> that would be so good. Basically, every format imaginable put into one. It's got a cartridge. It's a SD card. It's a UMD disc. All in one, but uh, that, that's uh, that, that's it for video games, I suppose. Let's transition now over to music. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess we can uh, stack it up to three different formats here, which is CDs versus vinyl records versus 8-track tapes. I'm going to just go ahead and, and cut 8-track tape out of this debate right away because that is objectively the worst way to listen to music. <laughs> it is, but in the history of it, like this was a big thing. CDs and cassettes were, that was a, a massive uh, fight massive format war for a long time uh and it's 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 uh, definitely goes back to kind of the cartridge versus the the disc right uh and disc obviously winning out because it was a little easier but the 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 cassette actually in the a-track was popular and worked because of the portability though for a long time because people knew discs as very kind of um, uh, finicky and and didn't work properly. Like you know, if you if you jump up and down, uh, while you have your CD playing at home, it'll skip. 
uh, or like something will happen to it. And that's why a lot of these Walkmans at the time, there's no CD Walkmans. It wasn't until the, I think the early 90s that we first got really CD Walkmans or even mid 90s mm-hmm. uh, for the, all the 80s. Uh, and some of the early 90s, it was all cassette and 8-track um, portable Walkmans. Yeah. Did your family ever have a cassette tape player in the car? Do you remember that? Of course. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every That was the thing, too. Most cars didn't have CD players. Right. Uh, most cars had cassette players. And mm-hmm. so we had a bunch of cassettes in the car. And a lot of cars even had, I'm not sure if any car that you remember had this, but some cars built in had cassette holders in them, mm-hmm. uh, in the, the glove compartment. Uh, and I remember our Ford Contour, I think it was, had a, uh, or no, no, it was the, it was the old Toyota Camry had a hmm. cassette uh, holder uh, cool. built into the car. And it was, uh, I guess that, that was the time, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, that, I, I actually just kind of remember that now that that's right. Most cars didn't have CD players. That was a nope. pretty, that was a pretty big thing if you had a CD player. Oh my god, dude! We got our first. We didn't have. We didn't get a car that had a CD player in it until 2007 with my dad's Ford Fusion. Up until yeah. then, from the 90s to the late 2000s, basically, we had our Ford Taurus wagon, which is a great station wagon. They need to bring that back, but it had an <laughs> A-track player in it. And when we were kids in kindergarten through grade nine, basically, we we listened to mostly the radio. But we had a very modest collection of A-track tapes. It was mostly Disney A-track tapes. I don't know where we got them from but we listened to a lot of Tarzan and like the Disney silly symphonies and 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 things like that and we had like a Pokemon A-track tape in there too and we had Hotel California I think was the only actual album that we had on tape which is funny but crazy thing was in high school I bought a uh, an A-track cassette auxiliary yes. I was going to mention this. <laughs> what the hell was that thing? I would put this. I would put this A track into the car, and then I would it would be a cable coming out of the A track player to my iPod Nano, that would then play the songs through the car stereo, or the car mm-hmm. speakers. Which, I, I, it's definitely long gone. I threw that out, but that piece of tech would be really cool to have today because it's useless now. But I remember having that. That was the only way I could hook up uh, my iPod to the car. Dude, I was so excited when we finally got a car that had an auxiliary cable port. It was, (laughs) it was bad. (laughs) It it was crazy how long it took for a lot of cars to get that aux port. But yeah, I I vividly remember, I couldn't, I I, I couldn't remember at first if it was you or someone else who had that because I was going to mention that that was a thing and I was like, right, it was was you who had it. It was so bad. It was so it was, it was like silly. I can't believe that even existed. But, but yeah, very uh, cool. Very cool. Cassettes, of course, being very big and uh, kind of come back now in, in a funny way. Obviously, vinyl really had a big resurgence. We can we can call it like 2010, 2011 around there, mm-hmm. and, and has really just kept on going since then. So, uh, somehow, I know there's always the thing that people post where it's like vinyl has overtaken CD sales mm-hmm. for the first time in like 30 years. Um, so it's it's funny with that, but yeah, vinyl obviously had a big resurgence, and cassettes have had a little bit of resurgence. You see a lot of, especially indie bands, um, put a lot of their stuff on cassette, almost as a like, like almost as a joke, or not even joke, but like just like to have it because cassettes are cool to like hold and see and like the the see how how a band goes about transferring their artwork to like a little plastic thing like that. But of course, vinyls are the best because of, for me, because of the artwork and because mm. you get to, ha- you really get to hold it and explore it. Like I remember as a kid getting CDs for Christmas and I would, I would read all the liner notes, you know, I would, I would open up the, um, the little, you know, the manual, so to speak. And, <laughs> and I'd go through and I, I'd read, read it all. I'd look at all the pictures. I, 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 cause I really wanted to immerse myself in, in the whole experience of, of listening 
to this album, which is something we really don't get anymore. And that's something I really love about vinyls is that you get that, but like times 12, right? Right. Like it's obviously so much bigger. You, you see the full kind of realization of what this piece of music is supposed to be. And, and, you know, it's, it's something to be said about how it sounds, the crackles, the pops, the, the warmth <laughs> or whatever. Nowadays, there's not that huge of a difference for new vinyls. Most of them are, are digitally mastered anyways, just going onto the vinyl. Old vinyls, especially like jazz vinyls and stuff um, and jazz records, they sound really, really cool uh, with that format compared to like cassette, which is like the lowest quality for, right. um, for listenership. But honestly, CDs, a lot of like CDs in the 90s, 2000s, and of course, uh, the first CD ever, Billy Joel's 52nd Street, mm-hmm. sounds great on CD. It sounds really, really good. Yeah, CDs was how I experienced most music when I was a kid. That's where my parents gave me a lot of my music gifts. You know, they they bought me, for you and I, especially in elementary school, we were getting CDs for every holiday, basically. We were getting, you know, Beatles and Queen and Boston for me and, like, Led Zeppelin and ACDC. Uh, yeah, I think my parents have the 52nd Street Billy Joel CD. They have, My parents were a big Greatest Hits family they so bought a lot of yeah, yeah the, the essentials you know that line of uh, cds I, yeah. <laughs> I actually really like those things they're kind of cool but like a lot of bruce springsteen and elo of course fleetwood mac we have all of those cds that we listen to every night growing up at dinner time my parents were really big on putting cds on while we ate dinner so that's mm. that's how i experienced a lot of music from the age of basically eight until till i moved out of my parents house and even now with my my fiance we put on music every night for dinner but it's through uh spotify through um through my Bluetooth speaker. But uh, yeah, I, I, I like CDs a lot. I think that they're obviously a lot more portable than uh, than vinyl records. I had a Discman that I used in elementary school a lot. I walked to school with it. I had it in class and we took it on field trips and everything. And that was that was really fun. Uh, I wasn't as big into vinyls, like just growing up uh, as, as much as my parents obviously were when they were younger. Um, I think the first vinyl record that I bought was with you. I think, I think it was the Kenny Loggins one that I bought. Yes. Like, in, like two, that's a great one. Back to Avalon. That's a terrific record. Um, <laughs> I bought that one from a record store in London for like three bucks. Um, but it has my favorite Kenny Loggins song on it. Um, but you're right. Like the, the quality of vinyl is, is quite a bit, quite a bit nicer than, than a track tapes and CDs. I think that the quality of them has kind of, it's usually just like whatever sound system you have, I think. Cause like if you're playing it through like a crappy portable, you know, all in one record player, it's going to sound like ass for the most part you need. Yeah. You have a really good record player set up in, uh, in your condo, Thank but you. Yeah, uh, but last year was, uh, I believe it was 2022 was the year that for the first time in 30 years, uh, vinyl records had outsold CDs, um, which they didn't make a ton of money. I think it was maybe a few hundred million worldwide, maybe a few billion, if that um, combined. I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, honestly, when I was looking up YouTube videos for like the rise and fall and the rise again of vinyl, it seemed like a lot of credit was going to Taylor Swift. (laughs) I think she's been printing, she comes out with like a record a year for the last few years and she prints them all on vinyl and she's got a very dedicated uh, fan base and they all buy her records, which is, it's cool. Like it's, it's nice to see, it would be nice to see other bands kind of make that same uh, statement on on records, but it is nice to see like when we go to uh, to concerts. It's kind of cool actually. You go to like a merch tent, a merch table now, and you see their their latest CD on vinyl record, CD, and a track tape. It, it's funny. I I, I the a track thing just boggles my mind because it is cool. Like it's nice to own it, but like I don't know anybody that owns uh, a Walkman anymore or an a track. You know, a boombox was really big in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. Everyone had a boombox in their uh, in their bedroom, but. I, I have not bought an A-Track uh, tape in 
I don't think ever. I guess ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I guess when it comes down to the three main formats of music, my favorite one is CDs just because it is portable. It, it's cheaper to manufacture and you can store them. Like storing vinyl records is a pain in the ass. Uh, but if you want to talk about just the ultimate way to own music, the best quality, the coolest artwork, uh, vinyls is uh, is the way to go. It's such it's such a funny story, right? Because like for most of these format wars, uh, like one dies out, like one is dead, and like kind of remembered and uh, uh, memorialized almost, but mm. it usually is just forgotten. Um, and and here we have vinyl being replaced in the in the eighties and nineties, uh, and then two thousands, of course, by by cassettes and then CDs. And cassettes and CDs were the big kind of format war and everyone's just like oh good we don't have to listen to vinyl anymore that was because that's kind of how our parents were too like that's why our parents don't really talk about vinyl or don't really have vinyl record players and bring them out because for them you know vinyls were always a pain it right. was it was like i had to go buy this big thing and i had to put it on and especially like for singles and stuff too these seven inches where you just listen to one song turn it over <laughs> like my dad loved the advent of digital music and itunes Mm-hmm. Uh, because he could just take the songs he liked from the albums and listen to those. Like that was um, that was a it's a very different way for us who kind of grew up in the era where we can have music. We can't. We have LimeWire. We have digital music. We can kind of get these songs whenever we want. And then we're like, well, actually, I would like to have the experience of just having the album mm-hmm. uh, itself, right? So it's funny how that works with generations. But yeah, the uh, the the vinyl somehow has has come out as the winner of this uh, <laughs> of the CDs, uh, cassettes, and albums in the actual format war, which is uh, interesting. But we will see how that goes in the future. Let's talk about some movies and home mm-hmm. video, Neil, with um, with some VHS and some DVD and 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 a little bit of Blu-ray and HD DVD as well. Yeah, there are so many formats with with movies. You can also talk about there's the 4K Blu-ray now that came out. There was also mm-hmm. HD DVD. There was Laserdisc. There yes. are so many ways to to experience movies. But I really think like this was my family's track. But I really think that most families went VHS, DVD, and then kind of a split between Netflix and Blu-ray in the 2010s. I don't think like there's a lot of families out there that went the HD DVD route or the Betamax route or anything like that. I feel like that it went VHS, DVD, Blu-ray. That's kind of the the physical media format uh, path that most yep. people took. But I have a really fond memory of VHS tapes. That was basically how we experienced every movie from when I was born, from 93, until we got our first DVD player. I was in grade 5. So that was 2003, I suppose, right around the same time that I got my GameCube. And we got we got the DVD player for Christmas, which was cool. And we got it with, uh, I remember getting Pirates of the Caribbean, Holes, <laughs> and Space Jam. Those were the first lineup. great lineup. I still own those <laughs> DVDs to this day. Uh, great movies. It was really fun to to have have DVDs after years of, like we've talked about before, just old formats. And you, you, you suddenly realize the, the crap that you did to watch movies when you move on to discs or streaming is that like with VHS tapes, you had to rewind them. You even had to do, I, I, I completely forgot about doing this as a kid, but like we had to clean the VCRs. Did you have that special tape, like a VHS tape that you'd put in the VCR player that would oh, clean yeah. the heads? Yes, um, I think later on I did. I don't remember it that much. All I remember is when we got a rewinder. That was oh, a big yeah. 
that was a big, big moment. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, I think we're pretty fancy for having a rewinder <laughs> instead of having to actually rewind it all the way. But see, that's another thing with VHS is in terms of vinyls, right? Where it's like you had to do all this stuff for it, yeah. <laughs> where you're just like, I just want to be able to, <laughs> to experience this media. So for me, like I was, I was, because we definitely grew up with VHS. We, I'd say we didn't grow up with DVDs as much. Um, nope. as, as VHS, as, like, especially as kids, uh, I think I was glad when VHS was gone and could actually use DVDs, but I, I but I, I personally never really got, uh, or never really experienced the VHS versus beta, which is usually cited as like the biggest format war and like the, mm. the, the dirtiest, you know, there was a lot of, <laughs> there was a lot of fight between the two and, and everyone kind of says that Betamax was actually the better format. And the technology of it really propelled Blu-rays and, and stuff like that in the future. Um, but it comes down to Betamax was too expensive. That was a, right. a big thing, right? VHS was cheaper. Uh, it, it was it was bulkier. It was bigger. It was a little more. You had to do more with it. But but Betamax was definitely the the better um, the better format. Just uh, uh, it just always uh, ends up in the cheaper one. And I, I was I was kind of looking back at the history. Of VHS, and I, I knew a little bit about this, but uh, it was interesting looking it up this week about how the movie industry was really scared about the uh, about VHSs when they were first coming out because for them they thought this was going to destroy movies. They thought people were going to use VHSs not not in terms of putting movies out for you to watch at home, but for using a VHS tape to record movies on TV. Right, uh, and that was a big fear of theirs, and so they were really trying to suppress both VHS and Betamax for a long time. Uh, but it's funny because then, of course, um, uh, JVC, who was kind of the inventor for VHS, uh, they ended up creating uh, a tool for these movie industries to, to, to get a lot more money, which was, you know, creating this idea of home video. Right. Home video never existed before. And then creating Blockbuster, you know, and creating <laughs> all these different uh, rental stores and VHS stores. And then they just popped up like crazy in the 80s. And that was a massive craze that went on for probably like over 20 years when you think about it. Uh, so it's it's funny to to think of, and even Laserdiscs, like we mentioned that, or you mentioned that briefly, um, Laserdiscs being... Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen them, Neil, but they're basically the exact same packaging as a vinyl. Right. Um, so it kind of looks funny because they're it looks like a vinyl and it's got the movie poster on on the cover. And you're like, is this the soundtrack? <laughs> no, it's 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 just a massive, massive CD. If anyone's never seen a Laserdisc before, it literally just looks like a CD, but the size of a vinyl record. I have seen them before in stores. I've never, I've never watched a movie on Laserdisc. I've never, we never owned a Laserdisc player, no, or anything. It was always VHS. We had the VHS slash DVD player combo, which still works yep. to this day, twenty some odd years later. Um, that was a terrific machine. I love that thing. Uh, but yeah, that that's really interesting about VHS tapes. I, it's really interesting the concept of home movies because back way back in the day with theaters, you would watch a movie in theaters, and then that was it. Like you didn't. You, there was no it went to blockbuster and then it was available yeah. at walmart and then it came to netflix it was just you watched it in theaters and then you'd have to wait for it to basically come back to theaters which movies did do they would come back again but like think about a movie like 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 disney movies which which basically come to disney plus now day and date 
there was a time when the movie came out in theaters and then it went away. And then, like, let's say you see Lady and the Tramp in, like, 1954 or 55 or whatever. You were you waited 40 years for that movie to come out on VHS in the 90s. Yeah. Like, that's insane to, like, put yourself in that in that mindset again where you waited decades to watch these movies at home. And I can definitely see the concern that home video would kill the industry, especially theater, uh, going to movie theaters. I mean, like, who would go to the movies anymore, which has... It's happened, but it's happened at a much slower rate than what they thought it would be in the uh, in the 70s and 80s. And even now, like movies and theaters make billions of dollars anyway. So it hasn't killed the theater industry. I think the theater industry has killed itself in some way. But that's that's another topic entirely. Yes, yes. Um, DVDs, though, were really cool because, you know, we had watched VHSs our entire lives up until the age of 10 or 12. And then finally having the ability, honestly, for me, DVDs, the, cool, the two coolest things for me were uh, scene selection. I adored the ability to just be able to jump right to yes. my favorite scene in Space Jam or my favorite scene in a Harry Potter movie or a Star Wars movie. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Uh, just the menu, the DVD menu itself was really cool uh, in the early 2000s. I love that. Yeah. And then the ability to watch bonus features for movies. You could watch interviews with the actors. You could watch uh, bloopers and deleted scenes and director commentary. I loved all the, the extra stuff that came with the movies that we've basically gotten away from, which is really interesting with streaming, is now you just watch the movie and then that's it. You, if you want to get extra content, you have to go over to YouTube to watch interviews or you go mm -hmm. over to Twitter to, to find out more about the actor or you go over to whatever um, TikTok to see bloopers or something. Like it, It's so segmented and, and dispersed amongst so many different things. It was nice to live in this time where everything you wanted to know about this movie was basically in that disc and then and like a movie magazine or something and then that was it uh dvds were really cool and it took us a long time to transition to blu-ray from from dvd as a family we never really got the same collection of uh, of blu-ray discs like we had cases of vhs tapes especially the poofy disney oh, yeah. cases which are Absolutely iconic. I love those Disney poofy cases. The white, we had, yeah, the white cases, oh, yeah. <laughs> when you open them, it's so good. Uh, of course, we had the regular cardboard uh, uh, slip cases, whatever you call those ones. Those ones were the classic ones that just so much the, plastic on the Disney ones. Oh my god, such a waste! <laughs> Terrible when you think when you go back to think about it. Um, and then you know we had we had uh, shelves, um, racks of DVDs that we'd buy because DVDs were a lot cheaper than VHS. You mentioned Betamax being more expensive than VHS. VHSs weren't cheap right away either. No, which no. like you go back and look at old prices of like the Star Wars VHS tapes and some of them were over 50, 70, 80 bucks. Like they were not cheap uh, at all. DVDs were a lot more affordable for uh, for families. So we just amassed a huge collection. But I think we only own definitely less than 30 Blu-rays as a family. Not many at all. And Blu-rays came out in 2006. So not too long after after DVDs, but uh, obviously, like it didn't do enough new things compared to DVDs, other than a cleaner picture, and it could be played on my PlayStation Three. Um, I really mm -hmm. didn't see the point in uh, in spending the extra sometimes fifteen dollars to get the Blu-ray over the DVD. Um, but now I feel like if I'm going to buy movies, like it has to be on Blu-ray because it's got the best sound. It's got the best picture. It's got the, you know, I love the Blu-ray case. Actually. I think I, I'm a big fan of that, you know, tight, you know, small blue, mm -hmm. uh, looks like a PS4 case, but where do you come down on Blu-rays, Mike? I don't think I've, I've, I've heard you talk much about them in uh, the 20 years that we've known each other. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. And, and I just got a memory unlocked when you were talking there uh, about watching the, cause I owned and I still own the, the 
original trilogy Star Wars, not the VHS ones. You have those ones. Yep. Uh, but uh, the the gold box, a lot of people, I think, have it. It's a gold box with the kind of cover embossed on it and Darth Vader's head on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, definitely one that you see at a lot of stores, and it's the widescreen edition, I think, because there's also the silver box, which is a full screen edition. That's another format war, in a <laughs> yeah. sense, too. Widescreen, full screen. But uh, uh, yeah, so I, I own that one, and I remember when we, we got it, I think it, my mom got it for me for Christmas in 2004, 2005, whenever it came out. And uh, that was the one of the first times we had really seen that kind of quality for a movie that we already know uh, on uh, TV with a DVD player. And I remember us watching it on like a couple days after Christmas, Christmas with my extended family, watching Return of the Jedi. Uh, and just being like, oh my God, this is amazing. This looks so <laughs> cool. Like this, we were all so hyped about it and of course all of them having watched it in the 80s you know right. i'm really probably not having watched it too much since then it was it was really cool to see how the the that kind of uh version you know that format really made such a difference for uh for people so yeah that's that's a memory that was unlocked for me uh, with <laughs> dvds but for blu-rays i've i've mostly just bought my blu-rays with something called the criterion collection which uh, is is a physical media shop that I'm really supportive of. They also have a streaming service too that I love. And Criterion is actually the first ones to do those special features that you were talking about, Neil. Uh, That was the whole idea of why they made it is to kind of have these interviews. And they first did it on Laserdisc. Uh, That was their first uh, foray into that field in the mid-80s because Laserdiscs could hold a lot more than a VHS could. and so they would have all these special features on them. And so eventually, when they moved over to uh, uh, to DVDs and then Blu-rays, and now just recently 4K Blu-rays, um, they've been pumping out some amazing content. And uh, I also love the cases. I love the artwork for them because they get specific artists to do new posters, cool. and new front covers, uh, which are really nice to see. So that there's not like five out of five, uh, like great movie <laughs> or ninety percent of Rotten Tomatoes on that. You know, it's just a really yeah. nice artistic uh, cover for movies that I really love. Most of them I've seen, and some I haven't, and people get them for me. But um, uh, yeah, Criterion is definitely the Blu-ray uh, zone that I like to be in. I'll, I don't really, I haven't bought Blu an actual just standard Blu-ray in a long, long time, but I did. Definitely used to get them for Christmas a couple of times, but it was still, yeah, mostly DVDs because people didn't really understand what Blu-rays were. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never, unfortunately, got HD DVDs, Neil. But I do remember when that was a pretty big thing in the, I'd say, maybe like 2006 to 2009 yep. uh, was HD DVDs versus Blu-rays. Of course, Sony coming in hot here with their with their Blu-rays and uh, with their PS3 that cost like eight hundred dollars in yes. two thousand five, and no one knowing how how do you what what it was for, what Blu-rays even were, um, and then HD DVDs. The name was way better because people knew right away what that was, mm-hmm. uh, and they had the brown or orange kind of uh, case, and then Blu-ray, of course, the blue one. Mm-hmm. And now um, now there's HD Blu-ray that had I think it's silver. It's like a silver case. Yeah, the 4K is, is like yeah. black and silver. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, HD DVDs, uh, I, there there was a, sh- a store in London, Ontario that uh, that sold HD DVDs. I remember that. And they had a huge section of all <laughs> these movies that came out on HD DVD. And, yep. and I, I think, I mean, there's probably a, a, quite a few reasons why that didn't do as well. Um, I think probably one of the biggest reasons was that both formats didn't do very well 
when they first came out. And mm. Sony, just because they had the PS3 and they had the console, you know, to kind of support Blu-rays. Um, and they had also just like the clout behind them for so many years of creating this technology that they were able to 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 win. Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. I'm not sure if HD DVD was even better at all than Blu-ray or basically the exact same. It's hard to say because, well, for the one thing, in the late 2000s, that was really when streaming, like Netflix, was really picking up steam. So it's hard to it's hard to know how well it would have done had Netflix never come out. It probably would have been mm-hmm. the format that everybody moved on to. But in when we were in high school, people were starting to watch movies on their phones, on their laptops, on the iPad tablets, which were coming out around this time. The iPhone was out in the in 2007. And it was becoming way more accessible in 2009 and 2010. So it was an interesting time to watch kind of the the death of these physical formats and even though they they kept coming out with new formats it was always just people would would revert to the the easiest method of uh, of of consuming content and it's funny because you mentioned the HD DVDs i remember for a while there was they had a trailer for HD DVDs before the yeah. movie started like it, it, which was hilarious because you know you'd you'd rent you know Pirates of the Caribbean 3 and there'd be this ad for HD DVDs, and it would show you a DVD, the picture of what a DVD looks like, and then a picture of what the HD DVD looks like. What's funny is that my family, we didn't upgrade from a tube TV to a an HD <laughs> TV until 2013. So <laughs> yeah. we had this, we, we, my parents still have it, um, but we, we, uh, so you'd see the, the DVD picture and then it would switch to the HD DVD picture and there's no difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which is really, eventually oh, I man. had to get my own HD TV to, to play PS3 games and stuff. Cause I just couldn't do it anymore. I played the, I played <laughs> the last of us on that TV and Dan, friend of the show, Dan Kerr, I, I remember him just being so disappointed in me that I didn't play the last of us in HD. <laughs> I was like, it's a great game though. But, uh, yeah, that, that was another factor too, was, you know, families hanging on to old hardware yeah. because you know TVs were expensive in the 2000s and it was a lot of money to drop down on a uh, on a new you know flat screen plasma 3D TV if you were a- one another, of those people another format war plasma versus mm. you know LCD and yeah, everything right so like many. that was a whole thing too so like our parents definitely didn't want to spend money on these things that were probably only going to last a couple years anyways True. Yeah. there's that whole scene in the 40 year old virgin where um <laughs> uh Steve Carell is is selling the H or is selling the VHS uh, player and he's like, yeah, you don't want that. Like, here's the DVD player, but like, you know, that's gonna be obsolete in a couple of years, anyways. <laughs> you might as well just get the combo, which is so funny. I, I love that scene because I'm like, yeah, that's that is what everyone did. <laughs> yeah, that's forty uh, year old version. We got to cover that movie on this podcast at some point. That's terrific. But I think when it comes down to you know boiling it down to the best format for a movie, I mean, you kind of have to go with either Blu-ray or DVD, depending on where your soft spot is. But I guess objectively, it would have to be Blu-ray just because the picture is better. Uh, especially these days, they're they're not very different in price, and for the most part, Blu-rays come with all that bonus content anyway. So that's where I would go with. Would you agree with Blu-ray, or would you be more leaning towards DVD? Oh, definitely Blu-ray. And then, I, I mean, nowadays, I like to try and if I buy new Criterion's, I'm looking for them for the 4K uh, mode as well because I now own a PS5 which can play 4K. Uh, Blu-rays. So nice. I, I, when I buy them, I like to try and get them in 4K because there is a difference, of course. Like you do, do feel it. You do mm-hmm. see it, especially on some of these restored movies that are older mm-hmm. and they were made, you know, with just film, not digital. It is really neat to see them super crisp. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, VHS. There's, there's a very much a nostalgia factor for it for us. Uh, there's, there's something about all the little like lines the vhs lines going through uh it would be really weird to watch a vhs tape on a flat screen 
though. That's something that would I I would not like that. That would be really really weird. <laughs> I've I've done it. I've done it. It looks weird. It, it ends up just yeah. the, the picture. They end up make putting the two black lines on the vertical sides, so it, it ends up just being a box anyway. Yeah. Um. I I watched. I think the last VHS tape that I watched was Kindergarten Cop starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. I bought it from Value Village because that was the only way I could watch it. It wasn't at the library. It wasn't on Netflix. I don't torrent movies. So I bought it on VHS and I hooked up the VHS player to my HD TV and I watched it there. It worked. It was fine. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really care too much about visual quality. I just want to see Arnold Schwarzenegger on screen, obviously. But <laughs> So there you go. For the winners of all of the format wars here, we have discs for video games. We have vinyl records for music and we have Blu-rays for movies. Those are the, uh, the best formats for all of the physical media as decided by Mike and Neil. Mike, before we close out this episode really quick, I wanted to do a little bit of a lightning round with you. And just because I was thinking about while preparing for this episode, how many different tech, I guess, versions we've seen in the last 30 years, I wanted to quickly ask you basically an either or question for eight or nine different uh, tech things here and uh, wanted to get your opinion on them. So really quick, let's run through it. We have wired headphones versus Bluetooth headphones. Over-the-ear headphones or in-ear headphones? I'm going to go over-the-ear headphones, not earbuds. Okay, not earbuds. So over-the-ear uh, over headphones, uh, definitely Bluetooth. Bluetooth, nah, yeah, same here. Home phone or cell phone? Uh, I mean, there is something about a nice home phone with those <laughs> nice buttons, but I mean, you got to go with a cell phone, right? <laughs> like, you can't... Although a flip phone is... is I still Ooh. miss the flip phone because there's nothing cooler than hanging up on a flip phone hanging up on a smartphone sucks oh yeah sometimes you don't even hang up right and you're like asshole and then they uh you know they hear it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah cell phone is, is the superior one i think but tube tv versus hd tv i mean there's something about a tube tv that is beautiful uh especially if you're playing gamecube games a tube tv is the way to go ask any smash player um and you honestly get a really cool picture because that's how those games were made hd mm-hmm. dvds hd dvds hd tvs didn't exist at the time right so uh gamecube games are honestly best played on tube tvs but man have you ever tried to move a tube tv have you ever moved <laughs> out of someone's house with a tube tv it sucks you gotta yep. go with it just flat screen flat screen hd tv for sure itunes or spotify uh, I actually prefer iTunes. I miss iTunes. Well, I know it still exists and Apple Music exists, but Apple Music isn't the same as iTunes. There was no. something about mid-2000s iTunes that I really liked, and there's also something about being able to like name everything and store everything and just mm. have complete control over your entire music library. I definitely spent crazy amounts of time um, making sure that everything was filled in, you know, for all my different songs, uh, mm-hmm. that I, that I got on in my iTunes library, like a stupid amount of time. And I missed that. It was, uh, it was kind of cool to do, to, to be able to kind of visually see everything where Spotify just is like everything all the time. And, yeah. um, you know, it's like Bo Burnham, uh, everything all, all of the time. Uh, but, right. uh, yeah. So that's why I'm an iTunes guy. I love that iTunes, definitely nostalgic for iTunes. I just prefer Spotify because it's one price and you get everything. I do wish that their cataloging features were as strong as iTunes, like the ability to sort things on Spotify I don't feel is as strong. And uh, their Discover Weekly thing is is hit or miss, but it it is a nice way to find new music. I feel like iTunes, I don't remember discovering stuff through iTunes back in the day. I used YouTube to discover things and then go to iTunes to buy songs for 99 cents a song, later a buck 29 a song. That was an interesting time. Blockbuster or Netflix? Oh, uh, well, Netflix technically, like, are we talking about Blockbuster versus Netflix in like 2006? Because 
That's a whole other conversation. Both <laughs> at their peak. Do you prefer going to a video store to I rent see. movies piecemeal and the occasional video game? Or do you, do you prefer browsing through Netflix? I honestly prefer renting uh, and going mm. to the, the store physically and like having that experience. I hate browsing through stuff because I if I don't know what I want to watch, it's it's like I'll be there for like an hour just looking through things. I'll never actually pick something. Also, there's no good way to like figure out exactly where movies are, like what what streaming services have them. I know there's things like Just Watch or whatever that, yep. that has some stuff, but they, they're never super accurate. Also, every country is different. So right. like I, I love just being able to go to go to my local Blockbuster, go to my local Rogers video uh, and just rent a game, rent a movie see it and yeah that, that was always for me again really nostalgic like we did that a lot with my parents and mm-hmm. uh, and like that's how i associate most movies uh, as a kid so yeah, yeah that's my pick blockbuster for sure it was always fun going to blockbuster to ask them for the millionth time if they had spider-man 2 on vhs <laughs> that was fun <laughs> buttons or touchscreen phones like a blackberry Ooh. style phone or a flip phone with the buttons or basically a smartphone Okay, well, flip phone with the buttons suck. Uh, yes, that is terrible. <laughs> Although I get, I get it. I obviously understand why. But those razors, the the buttons Ooh, being yeah. like three buttons basically, and you have to move to set aside. <laughs> people out there are like nodding their heads right now. Like yes, but like I still manage to text people with it. Yeah. Um, Blackberries like they were you could type fast on them but honestly you can just type just as fast on a touchscreen. Yeah. So I'm gonna say touchscreen because there's the only thing that maybe has being good for buttons was like the Nokia N-Gage, Shadow Ooh, N-Gage. Yeah. But uh, uh, unfortunately, that didn't catch on. So touchscreen <laughs> for me. I think I prefer the BlackBerry format, honestly. But I think okay. it's weird because like I have pretty big fingers. So like for some reason, I can hit I could hit the buttons pretty good on a BlackBerry. But on a touchscreen, I find it kind of cumbersome sometimes. I like the tactile feel. But batteries or chargeable devices? Um, well, I mean, it's gotta be chargeable. Batteries suck. It's terrible. I, (laughs) they die so fast. My poor Game Boy Color went through hundreds of sets of AA batteries, I can only assume. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible for the environment. I'm sure chargeable batteries are just as bad, but it sucks to have to plug everything in all the time. But yeah, chargeable batteries is the the best one. And then the last one we're going to talk about today, dial up or (laughs) Wi-Fi? (laughs) <laughs> what do you think neil do i really want to sit here and listen to the that you you hear a little bit of it in our intro every week so if that triggers you i'm sorry but uh yes uh dial up was not great because you also couldn't use the phone right uh which i never really understood still don't really get that but mm-hmm. uh yeah so i'll go for wi-fi wi-fi is definitely the superior format of that that was fun i, I like to think about all of the different tech from over the years that uh, that we've seen come and go and we'll see new tech in the future uh i guess it's time that we can move on to our closing segments of the day we usually talk about the uh the future of you know the game or the movie that we're talking about kind of tough to talk about the future of physical media but mike i think you have a, a different uh, segment for today's closing thoughts yeah i mean yeah it is it is tough to talk about the future of it because it'll still exist of course like yeah. the, like physical media will probably exist forever maybe but just not in the mass produced format war style that it's been i don't think we'll get format wars for physical media anytime soon basically is what i'm saying but um interestingly i looked up the history of like just format wars uh in general Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, well, where did this kind of all start? Like, like we're from a di- the digital age and electronic age, I should say. And it really started in the late 1800s, early 1900s with um, uh, direct current versus alternating 
current. So DC versus AC. Hmm. And of course, AC, alternating current, is how everything is basically powered today. Uh, and that was General Electric, also t- uh, first pioneered by Tesla. And DC was Edison. And Edison really believed in direct current. And of course, that was his invention. And he fought really hard to make sure that AC was not implemented by anyone <laughs> and and had a bunch of propaganda campaigns about how AC was dangerous. Uh, if you want to see the real-life rivalry between Tesla and Edison, watch The Prestige. That's a subplot, yes. which is uh, which is very good, but uh, with, with David Bowie as Nikola Tesla. But yeah, it, that was one of the first times that things got pretty dirty, uh, and there was a lot of fighting uh, about what should be the best format. And AC did end up winning after a very long, drawn-out war against it. Um, and that probably shouldn't have even happened uh, just because Edison wanted to make some more money uh, off of his DC, which he thought was superior at the time. But uh, that's basically the birth of the format war, really, ever since then. Whenever something successful comes out, another thing comes out to fight it. And sometimes it wins, sometimes it loses. But often what happens, like we said at the beginning of the show, is whatever's the most inexpensive and whatever can be move the fastest, really, and go to the most amount of people is usually the one that wins. Yeah, that's that's funny. They're like the original uh, Nintendo and Sega of the nineties. Yeah, that's really right? funny. I love format wars. I love any anything like that. You know, Nintendo versus Sega, Coke versus Pepsi. It's really fun to watch. And as a consumer, we win because you, typically yep. we win. We get better products and cheaper products and more abundancy, more more choice. One of the few perks of capitalism, I suppose, is the uh, competition <laughs> between yes. companies. But uh, anyway, that was a really fun episode. I love talking about this stuff. Great Patreon elected topic. Really excited for the April. Patreon topic, which will be coming up in a month. So uh, patrons, please stay tuned for that. The election will be going up very soon. And if you want to support us on Patreon, you can go on over there and uh, flip us a few topic ideas. We'd love to put them up in the election. But uh, until then, Mike, why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode six of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast? Next week on episode six is all about Batman and Mask of the Phantasm, the 30th anniversary of this amazing movie that is some consider the best Batman movie. And I had only seen it a couple years ago. I I always wanted to see it. It was always on my list. And Neil got it for me on Blu-ray. We're going to bring it all back here to (laughs) Blu-ray. So, uh, and we did eventually watch it and it is an amazing movie. And I can't wait to talk about it and really, really dive into this one because there's a lot to unpack uh, a lot to talk about uh, the animation. We'll obviously talk about Batman the Animated Series a bit too with that. Um, so it'll be a great time, Neil. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. I did buy you this movie on Blu-ray. I owned it back in the day on VHS. So we have two formats of Batman Mask of the Phantasm here in the podcast family, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It's a fantastic movie. It's it's so short, too. Like, it was a theatrical release. It's only, I think, 75 minutes long. But, man, it's a tight 75 minutes. It's so good. One of the best Batman stories ever told. I love the box art of that film. Very mm-hmm. iconic. Of course, we're going to be talking about Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill are both in that movie. And, like you mentioned, the animated series and the animation style around it. So it's going to be a ton of fun to talk about that movie with you, Mike, and I'm really looking forward to it. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode five of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to 
patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. All patrons get the show ad-free and a little early. Supporters at the $5 level get you the option to submit a topic and vote on our monthly election, just like this episode was. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and you can join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Tell your local HMV, Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. The Unlocking What Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada, and hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Additional voices provided by Victor. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, White Wind Wolf L, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Benito Benito, AJ Olson 11, Cube Dude, Bogus Lotus, and Jude. Her Majesty's Video. Most people don't know that. That's what that stands for. Nope. It does not. <laughs> does it not? It's uh, it's uh, His Master's Voice. Really? Okay. I feel like I need to look this up now. Hold on. Yeah. It's it's a painting um, of the dog looking into the gramophone. That's where it comes from. His Master's... I feel like it was Her Majesty's Video in like at one point. That must have switched. Uh, nope. 18, I think you're going to Mandela... Since 1899, I am way behind. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, uh, it, it, do you see the little picture of the dog with the he's looking in the gramophone? That's, no, I'm, I'm going. Let's go to the picture here. Oh yeah. yeah, that's a that's a cool picture. I like that. Yeah, so that's where. So the original HMV in London has that on the uh, on the storefront. It does. It does. That'd make a good tattoo. Cool. Yeah.